And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. The World of Myth Bitch. Hey, and welcome. Oh my goodness, we're two seconds in. Okay, let's try that again. Hi, and welcome to episode 37 of the World of Myth Bits. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. See, give me a week off and I just fall to pieces, I tell you. I would like to say a belated Happy Canada Day to everybody um, that is Canadian and listens, and Happy Independence Day to all my American listeners. Both of those have passed since the last... Uh, podcast. And I hope you all had safe holidays and enjoyed your holiday and are having a great summer. Uh, we finally got summer here. <laughs> it's a little cooler today, but uh, it was up in the 80s, which I know a lot of you are probably going, oh, 80s, that's nothing. But you have to understand, when we say we're in the 80s, we're not actually in the 80s. We're in the 80s, but we have something called a humidex. And that's the humidity measured in the air, and it makes it feel a lot hotter than what the actual temperature is. The humidity makes it hotter. So even though it says we were sitting between 80 and 85, it actually felt like one, one of the days it was 99, I believe. So, yeah, the humidity has broke a little bit now. Um, what are we sitting at right now? Let's see. We are sitting at, it is 10 o'clock on a Sunday. Yes, I'm doing this before my 11 o'clock. Hey, how's the podcast coming from Dave? Um, it's 65 degrees right now, and we're sitting with, whoo, 71% humidity. All right, so I lied. Humidity's there. <laughs> But it's a clear sky, so it doesn't feel quite as bad. I'm hoping for rain. And I, I said this to Dave, actually, back in May, when it was doing nothing but raining. Come July, we would be begging for rain. And we are begging for rain. Um, to all my California listeners, I hope you survived that uh, 7.1 earthquake that happened yesterday. Um, hope you were all safe and everything was okay. There was no damage caused. Um, I, nope, I couldn't do it. I could not do an earthquake. No, do not move the earth under my feet. Mm-mm, no, thank you. No, I would be under something screaming and crying and blubbering like a baby. I mean, we get earthquakes here in Ontario, but we don't feel them. We, we get aftershocks. We don't feel them. There was one, um, seven years ago. I want to say seven years ago, eight years ago. And we had the earthquake in the afternoon, early afternoon, late morning, early afternoon. And we felt that one. According to my grandmother, it was the air conditioning kicking on, but Early morning, early, or sorry, late morning, early afternoon, we had an earthquake. 
And then late that afternoon, we had a massive tornado. And the tornado actually did a lot of damage to the little town that I live in. I'm just Googling at the moment to tell you the exact... Um, Yeah, earthquake and tornado. I mean, there were there were people that were selling T-shirts afterwards that said, you know, I survived the earthquake and tornado um, on the same day. And I'm looking at some of these pictures and remembering, and it was just like, wow, it was it was incredible. I'm trying to find a date for you. 2010, so nine years ago. And the tornado was only, I believe, an F2, might have been an F3, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that strong, but it'll effectively relocate your roof. Um, my daughter and I were... Actually, we thought it was just a regular rainstorm and it was a little windy. Um, so my daughter and I were in the front yard and we were dancing around in the rain, jumping in puddles like we do. And our neighbor came running out, screaming at us to get inside. And I'm looking at him like, what is wrong with you? We, you've seen us out here jumping in puddles before. And he screams, turn around. So I turn around and I look. And the recreation center, which is about, I don't know, half a block, maybe, from me. But it's right, the parking lot is right there at the end of my street. I'm two houses from the end of the street. So it was right there, and the lake is right on the other side of it. And the tornado had actually come down and went across the lake in behind the rec center. But when I turned around, you could see it and you could see all the debris and everything flying around. And yeah, we decided it was time to beetle our little butts back into the house and possibly think about heading down into the basement. Now, I'm reading here, it was an F2, which um, we had winds of 180 to 240 kilometers an hour. Now, that is in miles is 149 miles an hour winds. So, yeah, it did a lot of damage. Um, but earlier in the day, we'd had we'd felt an earthquake. And it was it was really really weird and i can't even i can't find oh here we are 5.0 earthquake yeah it was a magnitude of 5.0 so yeah we felt that earthquake and then later on we had a tornado <laughs> so i couldn't no no i live through tornadoes i deal with tornadoes we have tornadoes and I couldn't, it's one thing to have the earth ripped up out from underneath my feet. It's another thing to have the earth actually move underneath my feet. I couldn't do it.
I I don't know how. Oh, I just got a message from Dave. Did you find it? No, I'm sorry, Dave. I did not find it. I had this, I have this lovely piece somewhere in my house. And it's almost a, a letter, basically. Kind. It's written like Morgan Le Fay sat down with Merlin and had a conversation. She's telling her side of the story. And I wanted to use it for this podcast because I wanted to talk about Morgan Le Fay, the mythical character. Um, but I couldn't find it. But I'm going to talk about her anyway. And I'm not going to get into a whole lot of nitty-gritty detail because my podcast is only so long. But she is the first mythological character that I want to talk about. I am a big, big King Arthur fan. I love everything Camelot. And I love the story of Lancelot and Guinevere. And I love the story of King Arthur and um, Uther Pendragon and Merlin and just that whole thing. The whole story. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Have I said I loved it? And one of my favorite characters from that legend, from that myth, is Morgan Le Fay. Now, she's had many faces throughout the various tellings of King Arthur and her story. And she has been a fairy. She's been a magician. She's been a priestess. She's been a goddess. She's been um, a savior and a healer to Arthur. And then in later writings, she ends up his enemy. But one thing that has always remained constant with Morgan Le Fay is that she is a strong, independent, free-spirited woman. Now, I think in... A patriarchal society, she was written as Arthur's enemy in later writings because of the fact she was such a strong, independent woman. And when these stories were first originating, strong, independent women, women were not allowed. We, they were burned at the stake as witches and um, were depicted as evil in, in stories to keep women subservient. But that's another whole kettle of fish. My favorite depiction of, um, Morgan Le Fay is in the book by Marion Zimmer Bradley called The Mists of Avalon. It's one of my favorite books. I absolutely love it. And it is basically the story told from her, her point of view, her life, how she became pregnant with Mordred, how she became, um, at odds with Arthur and a lot of the things that she's accused of and that she's blamed of are of no fault of her own. And 
there is a bit of a political undertone in the book to the point where uh, to, pertaining to the fact that she is a priestess of the old religion, the old beliefs. And the old religion is being pushed out by this new religion, Christianity. And the feminine aspect of deity, the dual, the, deity has a dual aspect, both masculine and feminine. And throughout the book, you see how the feminine aspect, the feminine deity is being pushed out, shoved down, and basically erased from religious writings. And at the end of the book, um, and in the movie as well, there's this incredible scene where she comes across a statue of the Virgin Mary. And it's almost like an epiphany for her that they couldn't obliterate the strong female image. They just changed her. She's still there. They just dressed her up and gave her a different name. Um, anyway, it's an incredible book. It's a big book. I'm warning you now, if you haven't read it, it's almost 900 pages, but it is well worth it. But if you don't want to sit through 900 pages of reading, then you can watch the movie, The Mists of Avalon, and the character Mor Morgana Morgane is played by Juliana Margulies, and she is exactly, when I read the book, I had a picture in my head of what she looked like. And Juliana Margulies encapsulates that innocence, that beauty, that disillusionment later so well. Like she, she is Morgan Le Fay to me in, in, from the, the book that I read. Um, she has, in the old religion, in the pagan belief system, she is often viewed as a triple goddess, which means she is maiden, mother, and crone. Now, this is probably because she has been attributed to having shapeshifter abilities. She can look old, she can look young, she can look middle-aged, but she encompasses all aspects of those three stages of a woman's life, the maiden, young, without having any children, mother, obviously having children, mother or mothering something in a parental fashion, and crone, aged, wisdom, um, knowledge, passing on of, of traditions. So she's often depicted as the triple goddess because of those shape-shifting abilities. Now, if you look at the way she is depicted in Arthurian legend, in any story, her role is always changing. So, it depends on which version you're reading. Like, through the, the, the cycle of the Arthurian legend, her, her role and her character is always changing. She's 
been known to have strong healing powers. Sometimes she's been connected with black magic. Sometimes she's the healer of King Arthur. And her love life is no different. In the mists of Avalon, she is married to King Uriens. She's been linked with his nephew, Goimer. And she's there's also been tales where she's been linked with Sir Lancelot. Um, there's also, if you look at the writings, the later writings of her and her tale, it's said that she and Arthur have the same mother. So they're half siblings. And it, she only becomes a healer to him in older works or in, in, yeah, in like the early stuff. But in the later stuff, she is his enemy. So she obviously the Le Fay means the fairy. So we can say that she is of Celtic origin, which means she belongs to the Celtic mythology because they encompass all things fairy, brownies, pixies, goblins, trolls, um, the wee folk, leprechauns, all of that. But I think no matter how you read her or where you read her, you never lose that sense of a strong, determined character. Now, okay, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, a significant aspect a, a, a very important part in many of Morgan's medieval and later um, depictions is the unpredictable duality of her nature. She can be both good and bad and so a lot of times when you see her doing Sorry, I needed a drink. A lot of times when she is doing um, the dark magic and she's doing something that would be viewed as bad, there's been a reason behind it. She's been hurt. She's been betrayed. She's been shoved out. She's been ignored. She's defending herself. She's fighting for somebody that she loves. There's always that reasoning behind it. Like you can, you can understand why she's doing what she's doing. Um, she has quite the, the tumultuous relationship with Arthur and they kind of go back and forth and back and forth throughout all of the tales. But in the very ending of all of them, they end up reconciling their differences and I think, I think she makes a great role model. I really do. Because of her strength, because of her independence, because of her ability to make decisions on her own and own up to the consequences of those decisions. 
Ah, let's see. Okay, so it says here that the earliest spelling of the name is M-O-R-G-E-N, which is likely derived from Old Welsh or Old Breton. Morgan meaning seaborn. I'm skimming, by the way. As her epitaph, Le Fay, which was invented in 15th century by Thomas Mallory, from the earlier French Le Fay, means the fairy. Mallory would use the term, would use the form Le Fay alternatively. Her main name could be connected with myths of Morgans, also known as Mary Morgans or just Morgans. The Welsh and Breton fairy water spirits related to the legend of Princess Dahut. Hope I pronounced that right. While many later works make Morgan specifically human, she retains her magical powers, and sometimes also her otherworldly, if not divine, attributes. In fact, she's often referred to as either a fairy queen or outright a goddess by many authors. Now, so this is Geoffrey of... Monmouth and Vita Merlini, which was written in 1150, and that is where you find the earliest spelling of her name. So, Jeffrey's description of Morgan and her sisters in the Vita Merlini closely resembles the story of the nine Gaulish priestesses of the Isle of Senna, now Ile de Seine. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. Uh, it's linking it to Pomponinius and further inspiration for her character likely came from Welsh folklore and medieval Irish literature. Speculatively, speculatively beginning with Lucy Allen Patton, or Peyton, this is spelled the same way as my aunt's last name, in 1904, Morgan has been connected with the Irish shape-shifting and multifaceted goddess of strife known as the Morrigan. Proponents of this have included Roger Sherman Loomis, who doubted the Morrigan connection, possible influence by elements of the classical Greek mythology sorceress or goddesses such as Circe and especially Medea, and other magical women from Irish mythology such as the mother of hero Frenach, oh, Definitely didn't pronounce that right because that's in Gaelic, as well as contemporary historical figure Empress Matilda, have also been have been also suggested. A chiefly Greek construction is a relatively new origin theory proposed by Carolyn Larrington. So Morgan has also been often linked with the supernatural mother Modron derived from the continental mother goddess figure of Dea Matrona, and featured with some frequency in medieval Welsh literature. Modron appears in Welsh triad, Three Blessed Wound Burdens of the Island of Britain, in which her children, by Urien, are named... Oh, good heavens. 
Probably should have taken Gaelic lessons. Anyway. So, a fictionalized version of the historical king, Urien, is usually Morgan le Fay's husband in the variations of Arthurian legend informed by continental romances, wherein their son is named Ivan. Furthermore, the historical Urien had a treacherous ally named Morcant Bulk who plotted to assassinate him, similar to how Morgan attempts to kill Urien. Additionally, Modrin is called Daughter of Alach, a Welsh ancestor figure also known as Avalach or Avalach, whose name can also be interpreted as a noun meaning a place of apples. Interesting. Anyway. So, she first appears by name in V.T. Merlini, written by Nor- Norman Welsh cleric Geoffrey of Monmouth purportedly an account of the life of Merlin, and it elaborates some episodes from Geoffrey's more famous works. You can find them. And she's attributed with the ability, this is where her shape-shifting ability comes in, and um, and flying, um, her magical powers come into play, here in this earlier telling but she she goes through quite a few transformations throughout um she has been written in french prose she's been written in welsh and greek obviously um and she is either loved or hated it depends on how you read her, how you, you relate to her. I, I love her. I think she's great. Um, I probably wouldn't feel the same about her if I hadn't been first introduced to her by the Mists of Avalon because you really get a sense of her and who she is, what her role in the Arthurian legend was. Um, and now this book was written, my copy is copyright 1982. So in the 80s, especially the beginning of the 80s, independent women... Um, were few and far between. <laughs> so it was quite a controversial book for its time. And I think I was, in 82, I was 10 when I read it. Yes, I read a 900-page book when I was 10. Took me about a week. My mother couldn't get me out of it. But I don't think, if I had have been introduced to her in another format where she is depicted as the evil sorceress, I don't think I would have such a fondness for her. But yeah, she is one of my favorite mythological characters. I adore her. I look to her at times for strength and for character. 
for um, love of family, fighting for what you believe in, because that's what she did. So that's my little blurb on a mythological character. Uh, probably be better prepared next week. I was kind of hoping to have this piece, but I didn't. So that is the little itty bitty. That's the, the bits of myth <laughs> for the world of myth bits. Oh, well, there you go. I, d I don't know why I got on to talking about her tonight. I mean, I wanted to do a section on mythology and myth and I don't know what brought me to the fairies tonight but yeah there she is there she was I we believe in house fairies I know you're going to think we're, we're Looney Tunes uh, we have a bowl um, I follow an alternative religion I've said it before and I have an altar in my home that we call the family altar and it's where we honor our ancestors and everybody has a place they pray in their house whether you're pagan whether you're Christian you're Jewish you have a, a sacred space in your house that's my sacred space and we have a bowl on there and we anybody who knows anything about fairy belief knows that fairies like shiny objects so we always put nickels and dimes and quarters and pennies into the bowl and and leave offerings so i actually picked up a nickel there's a nickel on the floor yesterday so maybe that's where it came from there's a nickel on the floor yesterday and i picked it up and put it in the fairy dish you know thanking them for watching over us and keeping us safe <laughs> so okay so this week we are announcing the contestants for the next phase of the open contract challenge uh, the judges have voted and we are down to five um, the judges had a very difficult time in making their decisions because all of the works were incredible. So they have made their, their decisions and the five that are moving on are Walter G. Esselman, Jeff R. Young, Melissa Ridley Elms, Stephen Carr, and Tom Fowler. Congratulations, you guys. So now you're moving on to the next round of the contest. Go to www.opencontractchallenge.com to find out what you're supposed to do for this round. And then submit what you're supposed to submit to hold on I will tell you in just a moment 
All right. So, for the, this part of the competition, send your stuff to opencontractchallenge at jzomon.com. That is O-P-E-N-C-O-N-T-R-A-C-T-C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E at J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N dot com. Open contract challenge at jzomon.com. Make sure you get your submissions in for the next round. And I don't know when they're due. So we will just ask the boss man. Because I know he's hanging around somewhere. All right. So this part of the competition is I don't know. <laughs> okay. So we're down to five. Okay, so now I believe this is the semifinals. So out of you, you, you five now have to send in the synopsis. This round will see your synopsis of your manuscript. Make sure you write a proper one. So if you're not exactly sure how to write a synopsis, Google it. A synopsis is your entire story from start to finish everything that happens without all the flowery words. Actually, I will Google it for you too. All right. And they must be in by July 29th. The date is in. Okay, so. Synopsis is an outline of the plot of a book, play, movie, or episode of a television show. So, what do you do when you write a synopsis? Write in third person, introduce your main characters and conflict at the beginning, summarize the main events of the plot, end with resolution of the book, include only necessary information, demonstrate character development and emotion, and avoid complimenting your own writing. So, get your synopsises in. Because there's three main objectives to a synopsis. It helps verbalize the idea of the manuscript, and at the same time, makes it more concrete. So, you have until July 29th. And again, those five contestants that are moving on are Walter G. Esselman, Jeff R. Young, Melissa Ridley-Elms, Stephen Carr, and Tom Fowler. Congratulations! Okay. So, that is that. Our uh, contest is starting to get down to the nitty-gritty. After this round, we'll be down to two. So make your synopsis good, folks. You've made it this far.
Okay. Well, I think because I podcasted earlier in the day today. <laughs> and this is the second time that I've done this podcast because the first time was just a mess. It was just a mess. Um, I think I'm going to wrap it up for this week. I've talked about my mythological character, Morgan Le Fay, and I highly recommend either reading The Mists of Avalon or watching the movie because you really get a different perspective on that character. You look at her from a totally different angle and you feel for her. And you probably won't like Arthur a whole lot. <laughs> it's a bit of a jerk. Um, I've announced the next five contestants on the Open Contract Challenge. So, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap it up. We're at, we're almost at the 40-minute mark. So, I hope everybody has a great week. I want to say um, happy birthday to my very good friend, Mike Lutz, who had a birthday today. Wow. For you, it'll be yesterday. And happy belated Independence Day and happy Canada Day. Belated Canada Day, everybody. And I will see you all next week. Oh, and don't forget. Yes, Dave, I heard your voice in my head. To go and check out the magazine at www.theworldofmyth.com. And you can find us on Twitter at... The World of Myth magazine. You can find us. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the World of Myth Bits podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Lupa B. And you can find me on Facebook at author Stephanie Barty. You can find the magazine on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine. You can find the podcast on Facebook at The World of Myth Bits. And I do have one more announcement. As soon as I find it, there it is. Congratulations to Walter Giersbach and his humorous tale, Marty Was a Jewel, for winning Member of the Month this month. And you can check out his story over at www.theworldofmyth.com. Okay, that is it, folks. My throat is screaming. I need water. I am out of here. Have a good week. See ya. The world of myth bits.